Hello, listeners. This is What I'm Cooking for Dinner, a food podcast focused on simple ingredients, family cooking, and cooking on a budget. Each week, I casually discuss the challenges of cooking for a family and how I manage to put dinner on the table every night with as little drama as possible. I don't shy away from talking about the mistakes that I make in the kitchen, recipes that work and don't work for me and why, and how I adapt ready-made products into healthy, well-balanced, and tasty meals. You can now follow What I'm Cooking for Dinner on Instagram at What I'm Cooking for Dinner. And if you would like to, you can also support us financially by going to buymeacoffee.com and finding what I'm cooking for dinner. All right, so in this week's episode, we are going to be talking about easy French dip sandwiches with green goddess butter, Thai black pepper chicken and garlic noodles, turkey homemade hamburger helper, caramelized onion and balsamic tomato tarts, sprouted purple broccoli tarts with blue cheese and hot honey, potato and corn salad with Italian chili pepper vinaigrette, and salmon sandwiches with lemon caper mayo. So there's a lot of recipes to get through this week. Uh, So let's go ahead and get started. The first one that we're gonna take a look at is the easy French dip sandwiches with green goddess butter. So if I'm in an unfamiliar restaurant or diner, my go-to is to get a French dip sandwich. It's hard to mess up a French dip. It's thinly sliced roast beef, crusty baguette, au jus, and maybe some melted provolone. I do find that the fancier that you try to make a French dip, the more likely you are to go wrong. For example, there is a restaurant here in Ashland called Greenleaf that has a short rib french dip sandwich and i love short ribs they are a fantastic cut of meat they're very unctuous and flavorful but when i had this on the sandwich they were for one thing they were not cooked all the way Uh, they were undercooked so they were very chewy and also they put way too much meat on the sandwich french dip doesn't need to have a lot of meat and it also really doesn't need a very you know, fatty gelatinous cut of meat, like a short rib. It works just fine with, you know, your deli roast beef. So I kind of just find that like the more fancy you try to make it, the less successful it can be. Stick with the basics and you're more likely to come out with something great here. All right, so here are the ingredients. We have one tablespoon of olive oil, one shallot finely minced, one tablespoon all-purpose flour, two cups of beef broth, stock, or consomme, So those are, all three are different things. I make mine with a uh, stock made with better than bouillon, so low sodium beef paste. Okay, beef paste just sounds really, really gross, but if you've gotten the better than bouillon, (laughs) that's what it is, concentrated bouillon in a paste form. One teaspoon of Montreal steak seasoning. For everything but the bagel ciabatta, that's at least what, that's what I use. These are from Trader Joe's, but you could use any hoagie or sub roll or whatever bread that you like. It's traditional kind of to use like a hoagie or sub roll um, for the sandwich. Eight ounces of sliced deli roast beef. You're welcome to make your own roast beef and use that. I just use the kind from the package. One teaspoon of Worcestershire sauce, salt and pepper, two slices of provolone, and four tablespoons of green goddess butter. Now, to make the green goddess butter, that is a handful of parsley, tarragon, chives, anchovies, and softened salted butter. Let's take first a uh, look at how to make the broth or the au jus. 
And I do hesitate to call this an anjou since it doesn't use consomme or beef drippings. And consomme is a highly clarified uh, beef broth that has a very specific method for making it. And it comes out to be a very clear broth that you can eat on its own. I didn't want to go through that whole process. So I just used, like I said, the better than bouillon stock to make mine. All right. So what you're going to do is you're going to heat the olive oil in a medium sized pan on medium heat. Then you're going to add in your shallot and saute for about two minutes and then add your flour whisk and cook for another minute or so. You're just kind of making it not raw. Then add in your broth or your stock or consomme. So you're going to want to whisk that in so it doesn't uh, clump and then bring that to a boil and then reduce your heat to low and simmer. Then you're going to add your steak seasoning and mix until combined. Now, if you're like me and you're wondering what in the world is Montreal steak seasoning, it's based on a dry rub seasoning used in preparing Montreal smoked meat and was introduced to Montreal by Romanian Jewish immigrants. And its flavors are primarily garlic, coriander, black pepper, cayenne pepper, dill seed, and salt. I just use the kind from McCormick's. It's been in my spice rack for a good almost three years now, so I don't use it very often, but it's, it works really nicely for a French dip sandwich. All right, for the green goddess butter, you're going to add your parsley, tarragon, and chives to a food processor and pulse until finely chopped. You could do this by hand, but it's much easier just to do with the food processor. And then add your anchovies to the food processor and pulse until combined. And then add your softened salted butter to the food processor and again, pulse it until combined. And you can store this covered in the refrigerator for up to a week. And we not only used it on these sandwiches, but we used it on a couple of other uh, dishes as well. So it, it's pretty versatile. Oh, we used it on, um, I made some grilled leeks and we put that on there. And it, that was the only good part of that whole dish. <laughs> That's a whole other conversation for another episode. But the green goddess butter is absolutely delicious. I mean, I would probably just eat it on some toast. It was so good. And then, uh, so directions for assembling the sandwich, what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to preheat your oven to 400 degrees Fahrenheit, butter one slice of bread with the green goddess butter, and then you want to get a, separate your slices of roast beef and place them to the broth until warmed, and then place an equal portion of roast beef onto the non-buttered slice of bread and top each with a half slice of provolone cheese. We felt like the half slice was just enough for the amount of meat and the size of the bun that we were using. You know, and provolone cheese slices are fairly large, so you really only need that half of a slice. And then bake at 400 degrees Fahrenheit for about three to five minutes or until the cheese is melted. And while this is baking, you can go ahead and strain your au jus and then serve the sandwich with a small ball, uh, bowl of au jus for dipping. I love eating French dip sandwiches. They are so fun to eat. I love like just like taking, dipping it in each bite, getting more of that uh, really savory, wonderful beef broth. It's really one of my favorite sandwiches. And you can have it with the cheese or without the cheese and without the butter. Um, you can just have it with the roast beef, with the jus, and that's perfect as well. And we ate these with the uh, with crispy green bean uh, fries, which were really lovely. Just take some green beans and um, bread them and then uh, bake them in the oven. And it was really good. All right, next up is the Thai black pepper chicken and garlic noodles. And this was adapted from a half-baked harvest recipe. And I made a lot of adapt 
adaptations to this. So if you want to go take a look at that original recipe, you can and compare what I did. I had to use a lot more chicken than the recipe called for because I don't know about you, but my grocery store doesn't always just sell one pound measurement packets of chicken. And I didn't want to really have to bother with portioning out my chicken and weighing my chicken because I don't have a kitchen scale to get one of those. So I used more chicken. I um, used about a pound and a half. So I ended up having to times everything by 1.5. So those measurements reflect that. If you want to, you can follow the original recipe and only use a pound of chicken. A pound and a half of chicken was quite a lot of chicken for us. So your mileage may vary. You might eat more, you might eat less. So it depends on maybe how much leftovers you want to have. It's up to you. And then I used angel hair pasta here instead of rice noodles because that's what I had on hand. And the recipe, the original recipe is a little vague and it just says eight ounces of rice noodles. But rice noodles come in a lot of different sizes. You have, you know, your really wide rice noodles that you would use for some uh, Thai dishes. And then you have your, your regular kind of sized, you know, ones that you're more likely to see, which are the ones that are used in pad thai. And then you have vermicelli, which are the really thin rice noodles, which are the ones that you would use in like a spring roll. So I wasn't really sure what kind of rice noodles that the recipe was calling for. I'm going to guess it's that one that you see the most often, which is the, the pad thai uh, sized rice noodles. I also added uh, peas because I wanted more green to this and more vegetables. I always want more vegetables than most recipes call for. And, you know, honestly, this dish was okay. You know, it was fairly tasty in that kind of like Panda Express kind of way that food can be really tasty. You know, it's really it was flavorful, and but it was overly sweet. And not so much that it was like, oh my God, this is so sweet. Like you would like, like maybe eating like orange chicken, but it was heavily skewed towards sweet and it wasn't balanced. It really needed more acid. And maybe that was a, a fault on my part. The recipe did call for just, you know, juice of a lime. Limes vary a lot in their juice, right? So my lime might not have been as uh, juicy as the limes that the original recipe writer was able to call for, get. Um, I think it's really good to when you are providing recipes to try to be as accurate as possible. I'm not always myself because different people have different you know, ideas around flavor, but I, I do feel like for the sake of balance in this dish that it really did need more uh, of the lime, the more the acid in it. And I also, I think needed less honey. It goes for a full quarter cup of honey, and that is a lot of honey. And then the other thing was that the texture was really one note. This would really benefit from some crunch, either some green onions, maybe some more cashews or peanuts. I actually wonder if peanuts would work better here than cashews, or maybe even some bean sprouts would be nice. I did like how the noodles came out. They were, you know, you cook the noodles and then you put them into this butter coconut garlic sauce, which was really tasty. It did need like it needed more acid um, or in some more freshness. I think that I would include some more fresh herbs. I think I would add some Thai basil. I think I would add some mint. Maybe some cilantro would be really good in it. I would cook the garlic for longer. I didn't cook it long enough. I'm always afraid of burning my garlic. And I think I would actually switch out some of the butter or all of the butter for toasted sesame oil. I just think that that flavor profile would just go better with the rest of the dish. Um, but I think I would make, I would try to make the noodles again. I do have a more closer to like an actual Thai recipe 
uh, for the garlic black pepper, garlic pepper chicken that I really want to try. So I want to give that a try and see how that comes out. Here we go with the ingredients for this Thai black pepper chicken and garlic noodles. So we have one and a half pounds of boneless skinless chicken thighs. You could use breasts here, um, but I think the thighs are going to be better. Uh, they're going to be have more flavor and they are going to be juicier. And then you want to thinly slice those. Two and a half tablespoons of cornstarch. You could use flour, but cornstarch is going to work better. One and a half teaspoons of ground turmeric. One and a half teaspoons of ground ginger. Two teaspoons of black pepper. I absolutely could have used more black pepper. Three tablespoons of sesame oil or extra virgin olive oil. I did a mix. I had one tablespoon of sesame oil and two tablespoons of extra virgin olive oil. Because I ran out of the sesame oil, I would have loved to use all sesame oil. A quarter cup of honey, a quarter cup of low sodium soy sauce. Honestly, you could go full sodium soy sauce on this, but if you're watching your sodium, then use the low sodium. Two tablespoons of rice vinegar, half teaspoon of crushed red pepper flakes, eight ounces of angel hair pasta, or uh, you could use the rice noodles. Uh, you could use spaghetti. You could use any kind of noodle here. It's, it's your meal. Do what you want. Uh, two medium shallots, chopped or sliced. One cup of frozen broccoli florets. This is what I use. You could use fresh. A cup of frozen peas. Again, you can use whatever you want in here in terms of vegetables. If you want to chop up some carrots or grate some carrots, use those. If you want to do some greens, add those. It's your meal. You can do what you want with it. Half a cup of raw cashews. A zest and juice of one lime. Half a cup of fresh basil. Three tablespoons of salted butter. Three to four cloves of garlic finely chopped and a third of a cup of canned coconut milk. So here's how to make it. You're gonna take a medium bowl, you're gonna to toss together your chicken, cornstarch, turmeric, ginger, black pepper, and one tablespoon of whatever oil that you're using. Then you're going to, in a bowl, you're gonna combine the honey, the soy sauce, rice vinegar, red pepper flakes, and a quarter cup of water. While this is going on, you're gonna to wanna to get your water boiling for your noodles, whichever noodles that you use. Heat the remaining two tablespoons of oil in a large skillet over medium heat. And then once that is heated up, you're going to want to add your chicken and brown it all over until it kind of becomes crispy. Mine never became crispy, and this might be because I had a lot of chicken. And maybe my pan wasn't large enough. I was using my large pan, and I was using my 12-inch skillet. I don't have anything larger than that. So, and it's supposed to take about five minutes. It took me about eight because I had a lot more chickens. It took a little bit longer. Then you're gonna to wanna to add your shallots, your broccoli, and your cashews, and cook for another two to three minutes until your broccoli is cooked. And then pour in your honey soy sauce mix and bring that to a boil. Cook until the sauce coats the chicken for about five minutes. You're gonna to wanna to have reduce the temperature on that into a simmer. Then remove from the heat and stir in your lime zest, your lime juice, and the basil. Meanwhile, you should be cooking your pasta and draining it. And then what you're gonna to wanna to do is you're gonna to wanna to heat a medium-sized skillet over about medium heat, and then add your butter and your garlic and about a little pinch of red pepper flakes. Cook until the garlic kind of begins to become fragrant and brown a little bit, and then stir in your coconut milk and cook that for about another three to five minutes until it's warm through. And then you're gonna to wanna to add your, remove the heat, and then you're gonna to wanna to add your noodles to that sauce. And like I said, I think that would have really benefited from some, some herbs and some lime juice and some lime zest in those with those noodles. And on, to be perfectly honest, I'm not really sure how these two things went together. 
I honestly think that the chicken probably would have gone better with uh, just some rice or I maybe could have just done some plain rice noodles and uh, added the rice noodles in with the rest of the food and I think that would have been really good too. It kind of felt like two disparate dishes but I do really want to try to make the more I hate using the word authentic. Uh, I want to use an actual Thai recipe for the garlic pepper chicken. And I want to try to work on tweaking the uh, coconut garlic noodles into something else that's a little bit more interesting, with a little bit more textural components, a little bit more flavors going on in there. All right, so next up, we have a really fun dish. And this is another take on homemade hamburger helper. So if you might remember from a couple of episodes ago, I tried a healthier homemade one pot hamburger helper recipe from Half-Baked Harvest and I was not excited about it. <laughs> um, it had some issues for me. And so I really did want to try this again because cheeseburger pasta, it's good. It's a great idea. And so I was at Trader Joe's and I was shopping for ground beef and ground beef was so expensive. It was like $10 for a pound of ground beef. And so I saw that the turkey was $4 for a pound. So I decided, I'm like, hey, let's just try turkey. It'll be even healthier than the beef. And it worked out really well in this dish. So I know that ground turkey might not be the most exciting ingredient to work with. It can be dry and crumbly. I mean, we've all had a really bad dry turkey burger, but it works really well in this rich, creamy dish. Um, you can, of course, substitute other ground meats or maybe even chopped mushrooms for a vegetarian version. And if you don't have elbow pasta, you can use any small pasta here. I like the elbow pasta because it like the sauce gets into the, the little pastas and it's like eating. I don't know. It's kind of like, you know, mac and cheese. Um, and also I had a just I have a lot of macaroni <laughs> from purchasing a lot of pasta a couple weeks ago. So here are the ingredients, and this is based on a recipe from The Novice Chef, if you want to check that out. Uh, ingredients are one tablespoon of neutral or olive oil. I used neutral oil here. I think I used a vegetable oil. One pound of ground turkey, one medium yellow onion, minced, two garlic cloves, minced. Oh, I just want to say right now, if you're using ground beef or a meat that is higher in fat than turkey, then you don't need to have that tablespoon of, of oil. Now, the tablespoon of oil there is really because the turkey does not have a lot of fat and it's a rather lean meat. Uh, so back to our ingredients list. Two tablespoons of all-purpose flour, two cups of low-sodium beef broth, one cup of tomato sauce, one teaspoon of dried oregano, one, a half teaspoon of smoked paprika, a half teaspoon of garlic powder, two cups of elbow pasta, half a cup of heavy cream. You could probably use half and half or whole milk here. Two cups of shredded cheddar cheese, two-thirds of a cup of frozen peas. Uh, that was a guess measurement. I kind of just added a bunch of peas to it. And then salt and pepper to taste. Now to make this, what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to get a large pan with a lid. You have to have a lid for this dish. And then you're going to heat your oil about over medium-high heat and then add your ground turkey and brown. Um, and brown. This is going to take about maybe five, six minutes. And then you want to remove your turkey from the pan with a slotted spoon and set aside you want to make sure that you're retaining some of that oil in the pan and if you want to you can add a little bit more and heat it up and then you're going to add your onion and you're going to cook it until soft and translucent about five minutes and then add your garlic and cook until fragrant which takes about 30 seconds 
and then add your flour and stir with a whisk for about a minute. You know, you want to make sure that you just kind of, it's not just, it's not raw anymore. And then slowly whisk in the beef broth and bring the mixture to a boil. I could have used chicken broth here, didn't have any. I only had the beef better than bouillon. I'm sure that this would work great with other types of broths as well. Just use whatever you have on hand. And then pour in the tomato sauce, oregano, smoked paprika, garlic powder, and pasta, stirring to combine. And then cover with a lid and reduce the heat so that you now have it on a simmer. And you want to cook it for about 12 minutes or until the pasta is cooked and you want to stir occasionally. I had one thing to note here is I had a lot of sticking. Um, I used a cast iron skillet. My stovetop tends to run very high. You might have some sticking. It's okay. Those like kind of like crispy bits of pasta kind of are kind of fun texturally and you know they get that good kind of like fun caramelized flavor. But you know if you're afraid of it sticking, uh, use a non-stick skillet. I don't have one. You know make you know make sure that you are really taking note of how high your temperature is on your food here while you're cooking it if you want to really try to avoid that sticking. Then you're going to want to add in the cream, your peas, and your cheese and stir until all the cheese is melted. And then add back in the ground turkey and cook for two to three minutes more to reheat the turkey. And then we just top this with a little bit of um, chopped parsley just to make it look, you know, the green to make it look pretty and fancy. We ate every single bit of this. <laughs> we, we loved it. It was so good. It was so, so, so much better than the other version that I made. There was no broken sauce. It was really flavorful. Our texture was spot on. The only thing is I do wish that there was maybe a little bit of acid. Um, so we added uh, some pepper plant hot garlic hot sauce. I love pepper plant garlic hot sauce. It's one of my favorite hot sauces. I'm wondering even if, if you want to really play on that, that cheeseburger feel, if you wanted to add maybe some pickle relish in here, I think might be really interesting. Or maybe top it with some pickled onion or something like that. Um, I think just adding something that's got a little bit of tang would kind of cut through uh, the, it's a, it's a heavy dish and it kind of cut through that. I also would like maybe to add more vegetables to it um, just to make it, you know, not just, just, get more vegetables and I always want to add add more vegetables to things and get more veggies in so have a healthier more balanced diet all right so next up we have two tarts we have the caramelized onion and balsamic tomato tart and a purple sprouted broccoli tart with blue cheese and hot honey and these are two completely different tarts for different tastes so the caramelized onion and balsamic tomato tart was a recipe from half Big harvest and I had initially did not set out to make two different tarts. Um, I had planned and bought for the caramelized onion and tomato tart. But then I remembered that I had bought this really beautiful spatted purple broccoli from the farmer's market on Tuesday. And it was just kind of hanging out in my crisper drawer, getting not very crisp and fresh anymore. And so I thought it would really benefit from roasting. Um, when you have a vegetable that's kind of starting to go off, a really great way to save it is to roast it on high heat. And I thought it would go really nicely with the Crater Lake blue cheese that I had bought at Trader Joe's. Uh, this is a blue cheese that is from the Rogue Creamery, which is a local cheesemaker here in the Rogue Valley. 
Um, so you may not be able to get it at other Trader Joe's stores or outside of the Pacific Northwest, but you can order their cheeses online on their website. I just thought it would go really nicely with uh, the broccoli. I had initially bought it to, for the caramelized onion and balsamic tomato tart, but I thought like, wow, that's a lot of different flavors going on. You have caramelized onion, you have the tomato, you have the balsamic, you have the basil. Like, that's a lot going on. I thought it would be too much and too many disparate flavors that might be kind of clash against each other. And the original recipe for the tomato tart calls for Havarti and cheddar. I like cheddar just fine. Sometimes I don't like it as my primary cheese flavor in something. I also don't know how I feel about it going with tomatoes. So I instead I got mozzarella and I was buying Parmesan for another dish. So I thought the mozzarella and the parmesan would go nicely together with the tomatoes. And um, for the broccoli one, I thought that the spicy honey would go really nicely because I was thinking kind of like, okay, hot sauce and blue cheese go together and honey and blue cheese go together. So why not spicy honey and blue cheese? It should go perfect together. And I had the spicy honey just hanging out in my cupboard for ages and I haven't really used it. Um, so I wanted to get some use out of it. All right, so here is the ingredients for the tomato tart. And so this is the caramelized onion and balsamic tomato tart from Half Baked Harvest. You can go and check out the original recipe over on their website. So here's the ingredients. Two tablespoons of extra virgin olive oil, one yellow onion thinly sliced, one teaspoon of honey, kosher salt and black pepper. Whenever I talk about salt on the podcast, I am talking about kosher salt. I never used uh, iodized table salt. Two tablespoons of fresh thyme, one cup of mozzarella, half a cup of Parmesan, one sheet of frozen puff pastry. You could always make your own if you want to put yourself through that, <laughs> but I don't. And one cup of sprinkled tomatoes. Okay, so these are super tiny cherry tomatoes. You can use regular sized cherry tomatoes, but I thought this would be so cute with the little tiny tomatoes. Two tablespoons of balsamic vinegar and a quarter cup of fresh basil. You could use dried basil here, um, but I have fresh. And a pinch of crushed red pepper flakes and one egg beaten. And here's the instructions. So first you wanna preheat your oven to 425 degrees Fahrenheit and line a baking sheet with parchment paper. A half sheet baking sheet is just fine here. Use one sheet for each set of tarts. Heat one tablespoon of olive oil in a large skillet over medium high heat, and then add your onions and your honey and cook for five minutes. And then you wanna cook until softened, and then season with salt and pepper and cook for another five to 10 minutes until your onions are caramelized. Then you wanna add your garlic and your thyme, cook for another minute, then remove from the heat. Then in a bowl, you wanna combine your remaining olive oil tomatoes, balsamic vinegar, basil, crushed red pepper, and then a pinch of salt and pepper. And then for to prepare your pastry, you wanna put your pastry sheet on a flat, clean, floured surface, and then gently roll out the sheets to kind of stretch them slightly. And then you're gonna cut each sheet into four squares and place onto the prepared baking sheet. So you're gonna end up with four tomato tarts and four broccoli tarts, okay? Or you can make you could double this recipe and you could make eight tomato tarts, or you could double the broccoli recipe and make eight broccoli tarts. Okay. And so once you've cut your squares, you're going to evenly top each square with the onions and you want to leave about a quarter inch border. 
and then top both kinds of top of both kinds of cheese and then mount the tomatoes over the cheese and kind of press them in so that the, the to the cheese so that they stick. And then you're gonna to want to kind of just fold the pastry edges in towards each other. You're gonna to need to um, most likely give it an egg wash first to get it to stick and then transfer to the oven and bake. It's gonna take about 20, 25 minutes. I did mine for 25 minutes. And you wanna to want to do this until your pastry is golden and your tomatoes burst open. And then top these with uh, fresh thyme. I personally don't like tomatoes, uh, but my kids do and my husband does. I was making this for them. Uh, I did try one without the tomatoes and I honestly thought it was a little wet um, and I thought it had too much cheese. I mean, we're talking a lot of cheese on each of these. So we have one and a half cups of cheese total and then you're you know, spreading that across four tarts. That's quite a bit of cheese on each tart. And I felt like it was a little too much and I just honestly, with the balsamic vinegar and the olive oil and the onions, there was a lot going on here and there's a lot of moisture. Maybe with the Havarti and the cheddar, it would be a little less moist or I am not sure, but I almost kind of wish that I had left the balsamic out of uh, the tomatoes and then maybe used a balsamic reduction on top. Um, and that might have reduced uh, the... Uh, wetness because you don't want soggy pastry and I ended up with soggy pastry a little bit. All right for the broccoli tarts which were vastly superior you want one bunch of sprouted purple broccoli. You could use regular broccoli here. You could probably use kale here. You could use maybe spinach here. Just a green veggie. Use whatever you want. Tarts are an excellent way of just using up little bits and ends of vegetables and different things and cheeses. It's just a really great way to use up all that stuff. And then you're gonna have one sheet of thawed puff pastry, a half cup of Crater Lake blue cheese. You could use any blue cheese. I like the Crater Lake blue cheese because it is a really nice balance of the funkiness of a blue cheese with a little bit of sweetness and a little bit of acidity that sometimes happens with blue cheeses. That's just a very nice blue cheese. It is, it's a very nice gateway blue cheese for non-blue cheese lovers. And then a card, a cup of mozzarella cheese. You could use any other uh, you know, cheese here. You could just use all blue cheese if you want to. And then hot honey or spicy honey to taste. I didn't measure this. I just drizzled it on top. So what you're going to do is again, is you're going to preheat that oven to 425 degrees and line a baking sheet with parchment paper. Then prepare your pastry like you did for the tomato recipe. And then you're going to evenly top each square with both of your cheeses and your broccoli and then drizzle the hot honey on top to taste and then fold your pastry edges inward um, with the egg wash on them and then bake in the oven for about 25 minutes until the pastry is golden and then i topped mine with more hot honey and oh my gosh so like the roasted broccoli with that blue cheese that rich blue cheese and iciness and sweetness of the honey it all just worked so well this was so good i wanted to eat so much <laughs> i really really liked it and um it was definitely considered to be the better of the two tart you know try it out you know try different cheeses try different vegetables it's a very flexible method and it can be a great way to like i said use up all those different uh, vegetables that you may have or different cheeses that you may have lingering in your refrigerator
Okay, so last up, wait, not quite last up. We have two more recipes, my mistake there. Uh, we have a potato and corn salad with anchovies and Italian hot chili pepper vinaigrette. I have um, strong opinions about mayo-based salads, and I use the word salads in big quotation marks here. I really hate them. I, I just, I really hate them. It's taken me a long time to really like mayonnaise, and I do like it now in some ways, in some things. But what I really hate is when I'm eating something soft and then there's something really crunchy in it. And I don't know that there's gonna be something crunchy in it, and it's a surprise. And um, this is a personal issue. <laughs> so, you know, some people really like, you know, these, you know, chicken salad, tuna salad, macaroni salad, potato salad. I don't. Um, but I do like vinaigrette-based potato salads. Most of the time this has been in the form of like a mustard-based vinaigrette. The sharpness of that vinegar plays really well with the earthy, almost kind of buttery potatoes that you want, you get a very waxy potato. And the corn here was an afterthought. I had some fry-roasted frozen corn from Trader Joe's, uh, like hanging out in my, my freezer. There was just a very small amount left in the package. You could make this without the corn or you could use fresh corn. You could use freshly grilled corn. I think this would be a great summer dish. And the flavors here were on point, okay? You've got the heat from the chilies, the sweetness of the corn, and like the salty brine of the anchovies. It was so good. Um, I would add a little bit of green onion for a bit of freshness and crunch. And if I were to make this again, which I probably would, because it was really tasty, and I was eating it out of the, you know, out of the container this morning for my breakfast. Didn't even bother putting it in a bowl. I wouldn't bother with making the vinaigrette because it ended up a little bit greasy because the vinaigrette just had so much oil in it. Um, and I would just add the chili peppers and the vinegar straight to the potatoes with a little bit of olive oil. The recipe that follows is how I made it, but it's not how I would make it going forward. So we have one and a half pounds of Dutch yellow baby potatoes. You could use any small waxy potato here. Red potatoes would be nice, new potatoes, uh, purple potatoes. I think they'd all, they'd all work out really well, but you wanna use a waxy potato. Half cup of fire roasted frozen corn. Like I said, this is optional. Uh, three to four anchovy fillets. So I initially added three to four anchovy fillets and then I was like, that's not enough anchovy. <laughs> and I ended up adding the whole can of anchovies, which was the right move. I love anchovies though. And then two tablespoons of the Italian, of Italian Bomba hot peppers. So these are a fermented Calabrian chili pepper from Trader Joe's. I don't know where else you could get these. I'm guessing maybe some specialty stores, maybe you could use pimentos uh, instead would probably work. Maybe fire roasted bell red, red bell peppers would work here. Though you do want kind of something that's got a little bit of spice. These aren't like super spicy. They've just got a little kick to them. And then half a cup of extra virgin olive oil, three tablespoons of red wine vinegar. You could use another vinegar. I used red wine. That's what I had. Two garlic cloves minced, a tablespoon of honey, half a teaspoon of kosher salt, and a quarter teaspoon of black pepper. So what you're going to do is you're going to boil your potatoes for about 15 minutes and add that corn in when there's about maybe three to five minutes left. And you wanna cook them until fork tender and then drain and cool until it's easy to handle, okay? Then you wanna quarter or half depending on the size of your potatoes. I kinda, of, I did a mix of both. I wanted different sizes, you know, just for the textural component. 
And then, then you're gonna make your vinaigrette. So mix together your red wine vinegar, your peppers, and your honey, and then slowly whisk in your olive oil to emulsify and then season with salt and pepper. And then mix the potatoes with the vinaigrette and the anchovies. It's so good and it's so pretty and I think it just makes a really lovely side dish for, you know, if you're going to a barbecue or, you know, a cookout uh, for the summer, this would make a really excellent side dish. All right, and lastly, this is really the last recipe. This is a little bit of a longer episode. We have the salmon sandwich with avocado, arugula, and lemon caper mayo. So this sandwich was an attempt at me creating my favorite sandwich from the, res- from the restaurant Grapevine, which I had the opportunity to go to while we were on vacation in Mountain View. And I love this restaurant way more than I should. And my recreation actually worked really well. And I want to put this lemon caper mayo on pretty much everything. I think it would go really well with chicken or other fishes and seafood, or maybe even a dip with like a dip for like, you know, a crudite platter. So like, you know, some just some cut up bell pepper or carrots and celery. I think it would go really well. I would probably even eat it with some like French fries or tater tots. So here's the, the ingredients for the sandwich. Salmon, one salmon filet. And this was for four people, so we were able to make this, it depends on the size of your salmon filet, but we were able to cut it up and make it work for two adults and two small children. An avocado, a handful of arugula per sandwich. You could use spinach, but I like the arugula. Four hamburger buns. You could use another roll here. A potato roll would probably be really nice for a Kaiser roll. Organic hamburger buns from Trader Joe's are the best hamburger buns I've ever had. I know like there's a big thing right now for like using like brioche hamburger buns. Not my thing. I don't really like them. These hamburger buns from Trader Joe's, they're they're light and fluffy, but also have like good squish and density. Um, They're really flavorful. They've got a nice buttery flavor without being greasy. They're just so good. One thing to note though with Trader Joe's breads and their rolls and their bagels, things like that, is they do not contain preservatives, so they go bad very quickly. So the thing to do is to either use them within a day or two of buying them or pop them in the freezer. Don't refrigerate your bread. Put it in the freezer. It will defrost and thaw it will thaw real quickly within a few minutes, okay? Um, and especially if you're toasting, it's not gonna make a damn bit of difference, okay? You do need to pay attention. Their bread does mold very quickly because it does not have preservatives. And then we have the lemon caper mayo. And so this is a half a cup of mayonnaise. I use the Trader Joe's organic mayonnaise. You can use whatever mayonnaise you want. That includes Miracle Whip. I'm not gonna judge you. Zest from a lemon, a tablespoon of lemon juice, a tablespoon of chopped capers, two teaspoons of chopped fresh parsley. You could use tarragon or another herb of your choice. One garlic clove minced, two tablespoons of extra virgin olive oil, and salt and pepper to taste. I also had, I forgot to mention this, a little bit of salt and pepper and smoked paprika for the salmon. So here's how to make it. You bake your salmon first. So preheat your oven to 400 degrees for about 15 minutes. Don't don't preheat it for 15 minutes. (laughs) Preheat your oven and then bake your salmon for about 15 minutes. But this is gonna really vary on how thick your fillets are, okay? Our fillet was really thick on one end and really thin on the other end. So one side cooked faster, so about you know three quarters of the way through the cooking process i removed that section and then cooked the rest and then while that's cooking you're going to want to make your mayo so in a small bowl whisk the mayonnaise lemon juice zest parsley capers and garlic together and then slowly whisk in your olive oil and season and season with salt and pepper toast your buns cut the avocado 
and then assemble your sandwich. You're going to want to place your salmon on the bottom bun, top with arugula, avocado, and then spread the mayo on the top bun. I made the mistake of also putting the mayo on the bottom bun with the salmon, and it was too much mayo. It was too rich uh, because the salmon that we got was really, had a lot of fat in it. So it had a lot of really, you know, good fish oils in it. But it was a lot. I would recommend only putting the mayo on the top. I think this would also be really nice, like with some like pickled onion or something too on it. And I think this would really go really great with. Um, we ate it with the potato salad, but it would also go really nice with the the crispy green beans. You could eat it with French fries, whatever side of your choice that you want to have with it. Really good sandwich. Really glad I went ahead and did it. 100% would make it again. I might love the lemon caper mayo. But capers are pretty much one of the best things ever. I would love to use them in everything. That's just my thing. All right, so to wrap it up, just kind of review. We talked about easy French dip sandwiches with green goddess butter, Thai black pepper chicken with garlic noodles, turkey homemade hamburger helper, caramelized onion and balsamic tomato tarts, Spotted purple broccoli tarts with blue cheese and hot honey, potato and corn salad with Italian hot chili pepper vinaigrette, and salmon sandwiches with lemon caper mayo. All right, thank you so much for listening. If you like what you are listening to, please leave a review on whatever podcasting app you use. By leaving a review, it helps others find us. You can also follow us on Instagram at what I'm cooking for dinner. And if you would like to support the podcast financially, you can do so at buy me a coffee and just search for uh, what I'm cooking for dinner. Thank you for listening. Have a good one.